Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 39. How you guys doing? How's your weekend going? It's uh, about one o'clock on uh, Saturday here. I do not really seem to be able to do this podcast on Fridays anymore because of work. Although this Friday I took off from work because my parents were leaving. They have left North Carolina and headed back to Alaska. It's very sad. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to miss them. My mom especially is incredibly useful with the childcare with Jane. And, uh, yeah, so Friday, got up early, did a bunch of loads of crates and bins of all the stuff my parents had at their apartment that we put into storage. And then we cleaned their apartment and then the furniture rental people came and then I drove them and I stopped by and got a bigger storage unit at the storage unit place. (laughs) So I'm very excited about that. I'm sure you're aware of my love of storage units. So I got a, I had a five by five storage unit for my hard drives and books and backups and things, but now I got a 10 by 10 storage unit. So four times bigger for $10 more a month. It was quite a good deal. So then we did that. Then we stopped by the place and we picked up the Roomba, which we had left vacuuming. And then we dropped off their cable box. And then we went to the airport and I dropped them off and they headed back to Alaska. And it is very sad. They say they're going to visit in the fall for a week or two. Stay at the hotel in 15501 by Southern Village there. So that's promising. You know, it just seems like four months and then nothing is a very feast or famine. And Jane isn't going to remember them in another eight months. You know what I mean? So I think they get it. And I think they're going to come for shorter periods, especially since they like their house now that they live in Fairbanks and they're in this sweet facility. And my dad's got a bunch of care. So I think it's going to be more frequent, shorter visits in the future. But in the meantime, we're looking for babysitters. We've been doing some babysitter interviewing, we interviewed a couple people. One of them was pretty crazy. Her husband is a giant Plex user. And so we friended up on Plex and he's got amazing stuff. I mean, I'd say we have like only like 20, 30% overlap, but the overlap is just so weird. It's like everything from like the Christoph Kieslowski films and not just the, you know, the three colors trilogy, some of the rarest stuff to like layer the white worm to like obscure sci-fi, like in the mouth of madness. It's all over the map, you know? And it's like, he's got about, he's got more films than I do. I think he's got like 3,000. So it's like a really amazing Plex hookup from the babysitter's husband. It's pretty awesome. And then the other babysitter is a high school girl and she was like telling us all about her prom dates. It was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So now we got to find babysitters so we can do stuff. So that is a whole thing in our lives now, but the parents are gone. So it's, it's sad. They will be missed. Um, What's going on in Chatham County? The big news is that there's a giant debate over the Confederate statue in Pittsburgh. I don't know why there's a debate, but there is a debate. Of course, uh, it's pretty funny though because <laughs> I'm on this thing called the Chatham Chat List. I think I've mentioned it once or twice, and it's where everybody in Chatham County posts stuff. It's like a bulletin board, old mailing list style. 
And finally this historian chimed in and she's like, you, you guys don't know what you're talking about. This county has always been anti-slavery. It's always been unionist. Like when they voted before the Civil War and this county voted 84% to stay in the unions. <laughs> All you people thinking that they deserve to have some statue for this stuff because it's their lost cause. It was never the cause of this county. Also, here are the minutes from the Daughters of the Confederate Revolution when they decided to try and get this statue here and they freely admit in the minutes that nobody wants it. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty interesting. So there's a county commission meeting on Monday at 6 p.m. with a public comment period and then they're going to vote. And uh, I kind of want to go. I might go. I'm try and get done with dinner early and drive down there. It's in Pittsburgh, the Ag Center. I'm curious. I'm curious. If I was not working full time, I would definitely go. Maybe I'd even bring Jane, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. This was a New York week, so I've been in New York. I went down, went up Tuesday, got home Thursday. It was a crazy busy week. Crazy busy. Uh, you know, at work, which we'll get to in a bit, but also just events. I was like, three things are going on that are all sort of like once in a lifetime things, or at least incredibly rare things. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do them all. And it was really painful and I didn't know what to do, but I finally, you know, circumstances and time chose for me. So on Tuesday, I went to see Robert Caro speak at the New York Times Center. It was pretty exciting. Uh, the interviewer was okay. She was all right. I mean, she's read all the books, so that was good. But, you know, it's also hard because what I'm learning about this, I've listened to almost all his interviews. There's a few new ones I haven't caught up on, including one that my friend was just telling me about that sounds amazing. But basically, it's kind of like when you listen to him all, you realize, you know, just like anybody else that has to go out and do public press stuff that they have sort of stories. They have greatest hits, right? I remember when I first discovered this about comedians, I was obsessed with Eddie Azar and he came to Boston and me and my friend Mike went to see him in, at the at Emerson Majestic Theater, maybe? I don't remember. And uh, we were in like the front row and I was so excited. But, you know, like half over half the jokes I'd heard before because they do greatest hits and people were shouting out requests. And I thought that was really weird and interesting. You know, they do that with comedians. I get it now. This is, you know, 15 years ago. But uh, it turns out it's the same with authors on their book signing tours and their press junkets. Uh, I'd say about 70, 75% of the stories, the answers I had already heard. Uh, when it got to the public question period, that was a little bit better because the public is like, you know, they're all rabid fans like me. So they know and they're like asking questions that they know they haven't heard answers to before one guy asked an amazing question about his brother that was really interesting and sad about robert moses's brother excuse me not and i mean <laughs> not robert caro's brother but um that was interesting and then somebody asked a question about hudson yards and they said that robert moses would hate hudson yards because he didn't get to build it himself but otherwise he would have loved it that was pretty interesting and then there's also like an interesting thing where he was started out telling one of his regular stories which is the story about interviewing everybody in the photo of lbj getting sworn in on air force one and i've heard this i've heard him tell this story three or four times and it always ends with you know he set out to interview everybody in the in the picture and then he did it and then he realized he had never interviewed the photographer and then he like calls up the photographer and he said, ah, Bob, I've been waiting for your call. So I was expecting that punchline, but it turned out it wasn't that punchline. He actually went to the second to the last person, which was the secretary whose her hair is only visible in the photo. And he, he talked to her. And that was actually a very interesting story. And so sometimes they can surprise you. It's like when a band is playing one of their hits and then they do it into a medley with like a, I don't know, like a Luscious Jackson song or something. You didn't see that coming, did you? 
but it was great. It was a good time. So then I bought a copy of Working and I got it signed, which was very, very exciting. And then I went out for drinks with my friend at uh, Bar Centrale because we were in Times Square. And I used to go to this place all the time with Kellyanne. It's really great. It's sort of like a fancy place to have a dinner or a drink after a Broadway show. I've never actually gone there after a Broadway show, but I go there whenever I'm in Times Square because it's kind of the best place around there. And we had dinner and drank there. And I remembered the book and I got in the cab because there's cabs everywhere because it's Times Square. And I remember the book and then I called them and I was talking to them and I got out of the hotel and I left the book in the cab at the hotel. Oh, so painful. You know, I mean like a autograph copy of working is going to be like 50 bucks on Booknet in like a week. I guarantee it, but it's not going to be the one I got signed that with my name in it, you know, it just sucks. I'm so bummed. And there's a few other days on this book signing tour, but I can't really make any of them. So that really hurt. That really hurt. I woke up the next morning and I was just like, oh man, I can't believe I messed that up. I got it all the way home to the hotel with the cab and then I left it in the cab. And if I had taken an Uber, I could, I would have known if I had paid with a credit card, I would have known, but I didn't, I paid cash in a taxi. So that's a total bummer. Oh uh, yeah. That bummed me out. So anyway, then on Wednesday, so my friend Lisa Carver is in New York all week, was in New York all week. And she had events Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I wasn't there Monday or Thursday, so I wasn't going to go to those. Tuesday was like films. And Wednesday was an art show, not an art show, a like a performance, a show, but uh, centered around the theme of art. So originally I had thought, okay, well, if Robert Carroll gets out early, I could go to Alphabet City and I could go to the movie the movie night because that'd be fun. But I didn't really know the, the etiquette of going into a short films program in the middle, you know, <laughs> and the other, she was showing films with this woman named Beth B and she was showing a film from 97 by Beth B that actually I had seen the world premiere of in Toronto with my friend, Annie coincidentally. And, uh, but I was just like, I don't know, this is kind of hard and I'll have to convince my, my friend Jenna that I was with. So we just didn't do it. And so I was like, all right, well then I got to go on Wednesday. So Wednesday rolls around and I had been debating, or I had invited my friend Doug a couple of weeks ago and he's like, yeah, I'm all in. But then there's the third event of the week, which was, and I missed this. In the end, I went to the Lisa show and I didn't go to this other one, which is that for one night only Fathom Events, those sort of event cinema people were showing the premiere of the Terry Gilliam film, Who Killed Don Quixote, the film that he's been working on for 30 some years, the film that Lost in La Mancha, the documentary was about, about it being a disaster of a film shoot. And that film is practically 20 years old. And I had a ticket for it at Battery Park, but there was no real way I could go to Battery Park for a 7 p.m. showing, get out at 9, cab all the way into Bushwick to go to the other, the Lisa's thing, get there at 9.30. I would have missed half of it. So in the end, I was just like, okay, I'm going to have to miss this. I have to hope and pray that this movie is popular enough that it gets a limited theatrical release where they said that if it did well enough at Fathom events, it would do that. So that was kind of like, they shall not grow old. The Peter Jackson, world war one film that I saw as a Fathom event, but it then was out in the theater for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And now it's on, you know, digital already streaming. 
but I really want to see this movie in the theater. I saw Tideland in the theater in New York. I've seen most of Terry Gilliam's films in the last 20 years in theaters in New York. And so I was like, I've been waiting for this film for like a significant portion of my adult life, but I had to skip it because Lisa lives in the desert of New York, of Nevada, and she never comes East anymore. And I haven't seen her since her wedding, like two years ago. And I was just like, okay, I gotta go. And you know, I was a little tired and it was all the way out on Bushwick at Rubelod. And I hadn't been to Rubelod in years. Uh, but Doug and I sucked it up and we went, we, we met at a bar and then we walked over to Rubelod and it was just a fantastic night with an amazing assortment of great performances. There were two book readings, one by Jeff Schneider from Erebon Radar from his book and one by Bob Burt, the original drummer of uh, Sonic Youth and the drummer of Pussy Galore from his book. They did both did readings. Bob also did a drum solo performance. Uh, God is my co-pilot played, which was so exciting. I loved that band in the 90s. I saw him once at the Middle East. I think it was Bikini Kill, actually. But anyway, I just saw that. You know, I'd never seen them in, well, 23 years. But they're back together, apparently. They're the ones that organized the night for Lisa. So that was really great. There was this amazing sort of burlesque clown named Blyer Spanks, who just sort of travels America in her car and does these weird burlesque performances with clown makeup on that sounds really disturbing, but actually was really amazing. I was never really into the burlesque scene when it was going on, but now that it's over and she's doing this clown thing, she's got humor and plots. It's like sort of like vaudevillian. It was just amazing. And uh, then there's a strange artist man and a duck face. And it's good to see Lisa. She didn't actually perform. She just sort of like orchestrated the whole night and she'd put on some skits. She's got, she's been doing these skits. I mean, Back in the Suck Dog days, it started out as kind of a band, but then it sort of morphed into operas, and then the opera sort of morphed into weird, more and more surreal skits. And then, like in the 90s, she was doing pretty much nothing but skits. The last couple times I've seen her, Suck Dog is just sort of over, and it's just her and her skits now. And so she wrote me into one of her skits again, which I hadn't had to do in 20 years, but I was, so I was in another one of her skits, and they've gotten way weirder. Like the skits in the 90s were sort of like linear stories, and the one I was in, I was in one in Boston one and it was like a whole incident about her and Gigi Allen and you know it was autobiographical but this gets now like this one was like a murderous wear monkey it just made no sense and there's no rehearsing we just kind of stand around and do our best and but it was super fun it's Lisa still doing her Lisa thing it was awesome and uh, I bought a God is my co-pilot shirt <laughs> <laughs> what a great night. It was like New York from the nineties alive in Bushwick with like maybe, I don't know, maybe a hundred people were there. It was, it was not empty, but it was definitely not full, but it was super fun. And then Doug and I went around the corner into this three diamond bar that just had the worst reviews ever on Yelp. But I guess that's just Yelp bad reviews. So it was fine. It was a good bar. We enjoyed it. We, we cut ourselves off early and we were responsible and we went home and then I had the next morning I had breakfast with my friend Pamala at Balthazar, which was fun. Hadn't done the like posh breakfast scene at Balthazar in a while. And, uh, but I noticed there's all these kids there and I was like, I want my baby to be as well performed as these kids in the future. And Pamala was like, they're all European kids. I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But you know, I mean, I think, I think Jane could do it. So sometime when I do finally bring her to New York, I'll take her to a breakfast at Balthazar and see if we can pull it off. But yeah, Jane's doing good. She's uh, talking more. She's got a few new words. She says teeth. Now, whenever you brush your teeth, tickle teeth and a few other words, uh, she's eating a ton of, I'm, you know, slowly feeding her more foods. I'm doing the bringing up baby approach. Uh, she's really into quiche now that totally worked. I've got these whole wheat waffles she eats now I'm trying to get her to like better cheeses. So Emma gives her like this Colby 
Monterey Jack cheese stick sometimes as a treat at lunch. I'm trying to get her into like Manchego or Laughing Cow, but they're both white and she just did not care. Well, the Laughing Cow was hilarious. She just smeared it all over her face. I was like, okay, yeah, this is a terrible idea. No spreadable cheeses. So, oh my God, I don't know what that was. Uh, so I'm trying different cheeses each week, which just means it's an excuse for me to eat cheese, which of course means my diet isn't going anywhere, but uh, I'm going to try and get her, I'm going to try like a hard yellow when there's a lot of hard yellows out there. I don't know. I got to figure something out. Uh, maybe like a Parmesan or an Asiago or something. I don't know, but, you know, continually broadening her palate and it does work. You just kind of put things in front of her and eventually after three or four days, she's like, Oh, what's this? And then she starts eating them. But the big thing is this morning, uh, we went to record store day together. It was pretty awesome. So I did all my normal Saturday morning errands yesterday because I had the day off and I got my parents to the airport at like one. So I was like, oh, I'll just do everything I normally do Saturday morning on Friday. So I have time in the morning to go to record store day at the record store in Chapel Hill. So did all the grocery shopping yesterday, rearranged the storage space, got gas in the car, you know, all the, all the normal stuff both grocery stores. And so I put all that away and, uh, I had gotten burritos for us. So we had dinner at home. And anyway, so this morning I was like, great, I'm free. I can go to record store day. It opens at 8 AM because it's early. So I went, uh, there's about 17 people there ahead of me in line when I got there at about eight 15, which isn't bad. They said the one in Raleigh, their main store branch school kid records had like you know hundred people and they were camping out all night. But there was like a 10K race going on and down Franklin Street in front of this place. I had to like run through it with my stroller and Jane. And then we waited in line about a half an hour to get in there. Then we had another like 20 minutes to get to the bins inside because it's a really cramped small little store. And I was really hoping to get a copy of the reissue of the Lost in Translation soundtrack and they didn't have it. But I got some good stuff. I got some good stuff. Let's see. I got the Knight Rider double vinyl soundtrack to Knight Rider and the and music from the soundtrack by Stu Phillips. It's amazing. I've already listened to one side of that. I got the Stars Sad Robots EP. I got the Flaming Lips. Uh, they almost always put out a record star day. Exclusive album. I got this one. King's Mouth Music and Songs. I have about three or four of them. I don't have the Stone Roses one, which is really painful. That's the one I want, but it's worth like 200 bucks now. Uh, I got a Swerve Driver 12-inch. think I'm going to feel better. And I bought the new Brian Jones album, Massacre. It was not a record store day release, but I got that. But they did not. They, he said they got one copy of the Last in Translation soundtrack in, and some dude bought it like five people ahead of me in line. So that sucked. I was close. I was close. So I came home, and I looked on Discogs, and there was a copy for 50 bucks. It was probably about 20 25 for record store day. But the thing is, there's only one other vinyl issue of this, and they go for like 260 bucks, and like it doesn't seem like they're releasing it again. So I just sucked it up and bought it, because it's just going to go up in price. you know. And I was a little pissed, but I I did my best. I did what I could. Uh, and the broken social scene wasn't there as either as well, either the vinyl release, the two recent EPs. So I got to track that down, but I got some stuff. I wish you could trade stuff on vinyls on record store day because I bet somebody else wants that flaming lips. Anyway, uh, Jane was pretty well behaved. I had to like put her in the stroller and like wind the stroller through this really narrow record store, but it worked. It worked. It was fun. In terms of other music this week, uh, I've really just been listening to old stuff. Uh, this morning, I've been listening to new stuff. I didn't sell anything on Discogs this week. Uh, let's see. I listened to the Autoclave LP. Not really LP, but the Autoclave vinyl release on Discord Records. Autoclave is Mary Timoney's band before Helium. They had two singles, and they are working on an album, and there's some other tracks, and it's finally been all compiled onto one record. It's called Autoclave. It's great. I have, you know, I think I have both the singles, at least one of them, but now i got this great vinyl release of all of it. It's pretty awesome. Also, they put that up on Spotify, so you can check out Autoclave. Uh, 
the Vinyl Me Please record of the month was the Loretta Lynn's Coal Miner's Daughter, which is awesome. I listened to that this morning. I've probably listened to it in the past because I loved that movie when I was a kid, but I don't actually know if I ever listened to the entire soundtrack. So I'm calling it a new listen. Did that just now this morning. Uh, and I listened to that Flaming Lips record this morning, King's Mouth Music and Songs. It's oh, it's great. You know, the thing about the Flaming Lips, they have like 45 albums now. They're all very good. They still put out great music, but you're just kind of exhausted by them and their 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 shtick. But at the same time, when I put an album on, I'm like, wow, this is still really good. But then when I'm not, not listening to it, I'm like, oh, God, Wayne Coyne and his antics. But that's just mean. He's just an artist trying to do his thing. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see coming up. Oh, I also got some other vinyl recently. I got the Scott Walker's tilt when Scott died. I was like, Oh, I'm missing tilt in my vinyl collection of Scott Walker. So I bought a really nice copy of tilt. Um, but really, like I said, in the last couple of weeks, I've just been listening to all the stuff that was in my queue, my to investigate queue from before. I'm almost caught up. I'm back. Uh, like, uh, I've cleared it all out up to... Uh, Dido, which was only like two or three weeks ago. So I'm getting there. So in, in the meantime, the new stuff in the two investigate queue is really piled up. So I got a lot in there and I'm going to start just listening to that again this week. We got the beach bum soundtrack because <laughs> I loved that movie. Some hip hop act called Amadeo that Nikki sent me. I think it was an April fool's day <laughs> joke from Spotify, but he really liked it. So we're checking it out. The Billy Eilish album, the big thief album, monster rally, innocence, because I watched that boy band movie and I want to check out innocence. Janice Rasmussen, the new Karen and Danger Mouse album. There are a bunch of Nick Cave and Warren Ellis soundtracks I didn't even know about. I own like four of these things, but the, there's a page on Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds or NickCave.com that lists all the soundtracks. And I didn't even realize there's a ton I know to know about. West of Memphis, Far From Men, The Road, Days of Grace, Hell or High Water, Mars, Wind River, and King. So I'm going to check out all of those. Uh, I've been strangely compelled by that National Geographic Mars series for a while. And now that I learned he did the soundtrack, I might actually watch an episode of that. And Ditto for Wind River. I've been kind of curious about that movie, so I might give that a shot. Uh, Jonathan Wilson, Rare Birds, the new Priest album, Seduction for Seduction of Kansas, the new Mekons album, Deserted, new Ways Blood album, Titanic Rising, Christoph Penderecki, <laughs> Christoph Penderecki, and Beth Gibbons from Portishead doing uh, Gorecki Symphony Number no. Three came out this week. I got to listen to that. The new Finez album, Agora. Ty Siegel's got a live sort of reworked live album uh, produced by Steve Albini called Deforming Lobes, and uh, a band called Cute Girls doing doing things that Nikki told me about that I will listen to. Those are all on deck for this week. So hopefully I'll get through all that this week because it's a weekend week where I'm not going to New York. So there'll be a lot of new music this week. I didn't watch much TV this week. MSNBC waiting for the Mueller report, but it's not out yet. Uh, watching, I watched like two episodes of Future Man. We're <laughs> really going slow on that, but I really do enjoy it. It's a fun show. It's very absurdist and funny. Movies. Let's see. Uh, after the podcast on last Friday, I watched Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat, finally. A really great film with Bruce Campbell and David Carradine. Like 80s kitschy B-movie. It was really fantastic. It's got Bobby Briggs from Twin Peaks in it as well. And the guy that plays, uh, what's his name, Max whatever from Empire Records. So, you know, great cast, good times, quality vampire film. I love a good vampire film. And then we watched 13 going on 30 because Emma was like, that's the only movie referenced in the thank you next video that I've never seen before. And I hadn't seen it either. And it's actually kind of fun. 
Didn't go to a movie today. Didn't go see Dumbo because I went to Shazam last week, as I talked about. I still want to see Dumbo, but it's not working at 11 a.m., 11.30. There's no showings at the two theaters near me, so I guess I haven't seen that. Um, and then maybe if it's out next week, but, you know, there's some other stuff that's coming out soon. I really want to see High Life, the new Claire Denise sci-fi film with Robert Pattinson. I'm very excited about that and it is coming to Silver Spot because there's a poster for it there. Hellboy's out this week, but I don't think I care about the new Hellboy unless it's how people tell me it's great. Uh, I tried to rewatch the old Hellboy not too long ago and I was like, ah, I'm bored. So maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Hellboy. And then I don't care about Pet Cemetery. Oh, forgot to turn on the Do Not Disturb. It's Saturday, man. There, I turned it off. And of course, the Star Wars Episode 9 teaser came out. Just watch that. It's pretty exciting. I'm not going to watch any more previews for it. I already feel like I saw too much, so I will just ignore that and not talk about it. I really try and go into those movies cold. I've done a very good job on the last two, and I'm going to continue that this time. So I won't probably won't be talking about it much, and I definitely won't be watching the other previews. Books. I finished that Reflections on the Death of Mishima by Henry Miller. It was pretty interesting. And then somewhere towards the end, he's like, also, I met Mishima once in Germany, and I didn't care, and I didn't, I was rude to him, and I ignored him and now I feel really bad now that I realize how genius Mishima was and I'm like oh my god dude I think you're just writing this whole book because you feel bad that you snubbed him in Germany one time I want to learn more about that but I think I'm about done with this Mishima thing I do have that short way of the samurai novel of his that I bought at the Chapel Hill library sale a week or two ago so I'll read that but it's going to be a while uh, then I, this week I read Janesville, an American story by Amy Goldstein. This is, I got this from Obama's reading list. It's a sort of a ethnographic uh, study, if you will, of Janesville, Wisconsin, the town that had a giant GM plant that built Tahoe's that was shut down. It's Paul Ryan's district. Uh, it's a good book. It is sad. It's just sad. Like at one point somebody kills themselves after she lost her job and it's just depressing. And there's a guy at the like job center and he, he doesn't do any, you know, nobody can get jobs and everybody goes into retraining at the community college and the rate of getting a job when you go to the community college is even worse than the people that didn't. And then there's a guy who like some of the gym workers, they get offered jobs at other plants, but they're in other States. They have to drive forward as eight hours every week home. And this guy's been away from his family for four years, just seeing him on the weekends. It's just depressing. Then there's this bitch there at the bank and she's like, runs this like yeah, yeah, Janesville business group with like this Republican woman that like funds Trump and Paul Ryan and secretly insisted that uh, Scott Walker did the anti-union deal, even though it would never mention it in his platform. And she's like, things are going great for me. I'm a banker. Everything's great. And it's like the book never says anything bad about her. But you just by the end, you're like, oh, she makes me so angry. Uh, and of course, you know, the book ends in, I think, 2015. So it's like before Scott Walker's voted out, before Paul Ryan retires. So it's really like, ugh, it's painful. Trump wins in the in the epilogue of the book. But you're just like, oh, it ends at the worst possible time. And it's so depressing. So depressing. Ugh. Uh, so I'm going to read Robert Caro's Working next. And I'm going to read The Lives of Monster Dogs, a novel by Kristen Backus that I read years ago. So those are my next, next up. I just started working last night, but you know. We will talk about that next week. Turning to time hop in work. Work is going great. Kristen started this week. Kristen is one of my old favorite barbarians. And Matt and I have been wooing her for weeks and weeks and weeks. And she's, yeah, months almost. And she started this week as our new head of product. And we are very, very, very excited. So now I have four barbarians there. Me and Matt. And then Q, who was the old bookkeeper at Barbarian Group, is now our VP of Finance. And Kristen. So that's awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, we are onboarding four publishers right now 
now onto Nimbus, which is really, really exciting. Uh, they're not there yet, but they're getting really close. It's a pretty stressful time because until those publishers are onboarded and we see if they're doing as well as us, uh, you know, there's still like unknowns and that stresses me out. So I'm sort of on edge at work probably for the next two or three weeks. The one other publisher we have is, is doing well. So, you know, things look good, but we, we will see, we will see. Uh, we're working on an audit Q and I, we have volunteer, I'm paying someone to audit us, which is kind of psych psychotic, I guess, but you know, we got to do it. It's sort of like, get it done now. So someday in due diligence, I don't know, get a bunch of surprises. Um, so that's a ton of work. But it's fun. Uh, you know, I'm mostly on it, so no, no major surprises yet from the audit, and that's good. And then we got a shop that we're putting up for Time Hop for swag, and we got some socks in, which is pretty exciting. Pretty soon you'll be able to buy some Time Hop socks. And uh, we got two different designs, so we're just waiting on the second design to come in. We got some cool shirts, we got some posters. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. That's fun. So, yeah, it's all in all, it's going pretty well. It's busy, which is, I think this podcast is pretty much going to be on Saturday forever now because work is work. But uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And that conference, by the way, I mentioned this last week in New Orleans, it's called the Inno Conference. It's April 30th to May 2nd. I think probably on the May 1st, we're talking, Ryan Freitas and I, so that'll be really fun. And Aubrey, same day, Sabala, we're, we're, we're all doing talks there. So that'll be a good time if you happen to be in New Orleans. <laughs> My friends Dan and Lisa told me they were going to be in New Orleans when I'm missing them. So it's pretty sad. It would be pretty awesome because Lisa's going to her brother's wedding later in the month. And I, I know her brother and that would have been fun to crash it. But alas, the timing didn't work out on that. But so that's that conference. Let's see other tech stuff. Disney Plus announced all their stuff, which is pretty exciting. It's only seven bucks a month. I'm definitely getting streaming app fatigue. I signed up for the Criterion Collection streaming app the other day. So I will probably sign up for Disney Plus too. But after that, I'm going to start turning some off that I don't use. And, you know, I'm looking for a new to-do app so because I use Wonderlist on the Mac, but they don't support it anymore because Microsoft bought it. And, you know, now they want you to use the Microsoft to do one, but that's part of the Office 365 subscription. I don't subscribe to Microsoft and I'm not going to. So like, I'm looking for a new one and I'm like, you know, it's got to like be on the Mac and iOS and Android. So I mean, I can share grocery lists. And I got a few other technical requirements and I, I found one I really like called Tick Tick, but it's like, subscription payments and you know it's i think three dollars a month or thirty dollars a year and i was just like i just can't i'm sick of it i'm sick of it i want to buy software when there's a new version i don't want to buy software every month it's just maddening and i know i do it with adobe creative suite but i kind of hate it but i kind of like it i get why they're doing it but it's just like these monthly bills man they're just adding up it's totally insane how much of your paycheck now you spend on monthly bills and i just ugh, i wanted to stop so i'm like in to-do list paralysis right now it's really really rough and then uh let's see what else uh jeff bezos i don't know if you've been following this in the saudi arabians it's totally nuts basically like the whole thing with um the Inquirer trying to blackmail him. They passed on his like secret phone stuff to the Saudi Arabians. It's it's like basically a national espionage thing right now. Of course, the Trump administration is just ignoring it, but it is crazy. That is going to keep developing. That story is not going to go away, and it is really, really nuts. And then, of course, we have the Uber, impending Uber IPO to go with the recently done Lyft IPO. Uber announced its IPO. It put out its prospectus. I downloaded it. I haven't read it all yet. Read the top level revenue and stuff. But yeah, my, I think my thesis is still correct. Two companies 
that are going to raise a bunch of money for war chests and fight it out. Uber's got Uber Eats, though, and that might be the secret weapon that puts them over the top. Um, I, of course, through this whole thing, I just ignore the fact that I had a chance to invest in Uber's round in first round <laughs> when they raised half a million dollars, and I passed. So I'm just going to ignore that for now. But uh, those are the two big IPOs. And then PagerDuty IPO'd, which is pretty cool. That one's pretty more more exciting for me. And then Pinterest is coming, which I think is pretty cool too. I'm, 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 I'm happy for Pinterest. That's a nice one. That's like a nice, I understand, IPO there. Uh, let's see. Projects. Did I do anything on any of my projects? Uh, I didn't finish that new story. I didn't work on what I was wasted. I was in the New York all week, man. Uh, I did some LaGuardia, a little organizing, but nothing really much. And, uh, the secret projects are moving along. Actually, you know what? In fairness, uh, sorry to you guys, but I've been doing a ton of work on the two secret projects and I just can't talk about that yet, but those are moving great. So that is kind of cool. I am doing stuff. I just can't tell you guys about it yet. And, uh, in the Google alerts, we had some good ones this week. There's really good couple of stuff around the port authority google alert i have a google alert around port authority of new york and new jersey they have been working on a rail expansion in the port yard the ports and the yards of, in the new jersey side for 30 years and they are finally wrapping it up where they're like have these you know they spent like a billion dollars getting like trains to all the like different uh ports and facilities so that like the container ships can just you know sail up and then like they go straight into the current containers can go straight onto trains to speed up the traffic because there's giant traffic jams at the ports all the time and there's a really interesting article once about a virus a while back that totally knocked out all of Maersk and it knocked out the entire New Jersey port system and there was a line of trucks that was two days long trying to get into the New Jersey ports so I can see why they wanted their rail system to work which is also really funny because the history of the Port Authority is a history of avoiding responsibility for rail and underfunding PATH. They own the PATH trains and they are forced upon them and they didn't want them and they don't fund them well enough. And so, but they're all gung ho on rail when it comes to freight rail. Uh, and then it said that there is a the port system in New York and New Jersey is its highest volume in ages because there's a bunch of people shipping stuff to the U.S. to get in before the Trump tariffs kick in. I thought that was pretty interesting. And all of this, uh, there's a book I, I read called The Box, which is a history of the shipping container, which sounds really boring, but it also has the greatest description of one of the most innovative union deals ever done to deal with technology and making jobs redundant through technology, which was the Port of Seattle. So if you're ever interested in labor relations, and how to do it right in an era of losing jobs and technology, I strongly recommend The Box, the book about shipping containers. And then the Google alert, of course, for Robert Caro is blowing up this week. It's just really exciting. I've probably read like 10 or 15 articles about him. It's awesome. I, read, I think I talked about this last week, but they're still coming and it's great. I got a few more in the queue. So that Google alert is kicking it. Diet is useless. I'm still at the same weight. I'm not gaining weight, but I got to really, even the two week thing doesn't seem to have helped. So I'm going to be, I'm going to ultra commit for the next two week period. And hopefully we'll, we'll see some lows here, but uh, yeah, that's about it. That's it for this week. We got some visitors coming next week. I might have them on the podcast. That might be a do. Might be my first guests ever, so that might be interesting. Uh, but maybe not. I don't want to get your hopes up. But we'll see. Uh, hope you guys had a good week. 
hope it's not as rainy there as it is here, but I hope it's as warm there as it is here because it is lovely and warm here now. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys next week. Take care.